Morning in America. Welcome back. Big case before the Supreme Court. Let's find out about it with uh, my friend, former colleague, Terry Pell, president of the Center for Individual Rights. Uh, Terry, hi. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good, good. So the uh, hearing before the court was yesterday. Is that right? The oral arguments? That's right. Yesterday morning. Tell us about this case for those who are unfamiliar with it, the basic uh, facts in the case, the basic dispute. Sure. Uh, We're representing 10 California school teachers who are suing to end compulsory union dues. Uh, If we win, we're going to end the compulsory dues laws that now exist in 23 states. Wow. And the basic, yeah, it is wow. Uh, The basic rationale here is that the First Amendment uh, does not permit the state to compel individuals to support organizations with which they fundamentally disagree. Uh, In our view, the union is like a political party. And uh, you can agree with it, you can disagree with it, but the state can't make individuals take one side or the other and uh, provide financial support to the union if they disagree with it. Yeah, well, I, I, obviously the, uh, the the interests, or at least identified interests, of some unions and some political parties seem the same. I mean, the identification of the teachers' unions with the Democrat Party and so on uh, is uh, is pretty obvious to most people who've looked at it. No, that's right. The politics of the union are totally on the Democratic Party side. But even more than that, when a union negotiates, does, you know, just does its everyday collective bargaining, uh, it's negotiating with local officials over the best use of tax dollars. And, uh, you know, some teachers agree with the union's persistent demands for higher salaries. But in California, where some of the local cities are going bankrupt because of past union negotiation, a lot of teachers have a moral dilemma with their union continuing yeah. to press for more and more salaries. So that's a political issue, and reasonable people can disagree about even the bread-and-butter issues, I see. like higher and higher salaries. All right. Well, uh, tell me this, uh, just a couple of facts. What are, uh, in California or elsewhere or nationally, what what are, what are, what do teachers make, and what, what how much did the unions take out in some place or on average? What, what kind of money are we talking about, and what percentage of salaries is that? Well, it can be as much as 10%. The normal union dues in California are about $1,000 a year. Uh, and then uh, you're allowed to opt out of the political portion of the dues if you jump through certain hoops, which can get it down to 600 So it's between 600 and $1,000 a year for every teacher. And teacher salaries, you know, range between, say, 30000 and $70,000 a year. So you can see it's a pretty hefty chunk. It's a hefty chunk. Now, the argument, uh, explain the free rider argument. That's an argument in opposition to your uh, point of view. Folks, by the way, we have Terry for a few more minutes. If you are a teacher or interested in this issue or lawyer or curious about this, give us a call, 866-680-6464. What's the argument, the free rider argument? Well, the unions say that if dues are voluntary, everybody will just take the benefits of the union and not pay for them. They'll become free riders. And uh, they, you know, essentially this is a scare tactic. Uh, in our view, there are, our clients are not free riders at all. They're forced riders. They're forced to pay for uh, union benefits and union negotiating that they don't like, they don't agree with. They don't consider those a benefit. Uh, and they have real moral dilemmas with some of the things the union is pushing for. So, uh, again, they they don't feel like free riders. They feel like forced riders. In our view, the people, the teachers who agree with the union should be free to join the union and free to pay for the union, and those that don't should be free to not have to do that. All right. Uh, what happens to the unions 
in California or elsewhere if you guys prevail. Are these is the opposition making the argument you'll destroy unions? Yes, that's uh, that's another one of their, in my view, one of their scare tactics. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is that there are 25 states that already have done away with compulsory dues, so we don't have to speculate. In those states, uh, the unions are thriving; they're even adding members. Uh, so it just isn't true that ending compulsory dues means ending unions. These are just two separate issues. Uh, you know, if we win, it's true that unions are going to have to compete for members. They're going to have to go out and sell themselves. But uh, like any other big, powerful, self-interested organization, the unions, you know, know how to do this. They're going to sell themselves. They may have to change some of their policies a little bit. But there's no reason to think the unions are just going to give up and, uh, you know, and go out of existence. That's just... I think totally unrealistic. All right, I would come back to part of what you said just to, to underline it, which is that um, in in other states where it's not compulsory, unions are doing well, thriving. They just have to make the case. Maybe this is better for the unions because it gets them off their butt and gets them well, uh, making a case for what it is they're doing. No, that's exactly right. I mean, one of the uh, one of a union official was very candid about this at one point. He said it's easier to recruit members in the states where dues are not mandatory because you can stand up there, make the pitch, and say, "Look, if you're with us, you have to pay dues to us. If you don't, we're gonna, you know, we we won't can't do anything for you." He said it's it's a it's an easier sell when individuals feel that the union depends on them and depends on their choice to join the union. It's harder in the states where everybody you know, is required to pay dues anyway. It's just, it's just it's hard to get excited about an organization uh, that, you know, just gets the state to collect all of its dues out of your paycheck with no choice of yours at all. Got it. We're talking to Terry Pell, uh, president of the Center for Individual Rights, party to the uh, case before the Supreme Court. Um, uh, I'm just curious. Uh, uh, well, let me put that question off. Let me ask about yesterday. What did we learn from the justices' questions yesterday? Are you encouraged, discouraged? What was interesting to you about the uh, oral arguments and the back and forth? Well, I think the arguments went well for us. Uh, A number of the justices knew exactly what we were talking about, and it sounded almost as if they were reading our talking points and asking their questions. So that was good. They understand the case, and that's sort of the most important hurdle to get over. The justices that really uh, are opposed to us uh, really have the view that – uh, you know, there's a 40-year-old precedent they'd have to overrule, and they argued that, you know, that precedent has, has been around for so long that uh, it would just be, you know, unrealistic and, uh, you know, very disruptive to overrule it, never mind the First Amendment rights that are at issue here. Uh, so that, that's a, a defensive argument. Uh, it's not an argument on the merits. It's an argument that, well, we might have gotten it wrong, but so what? Uh, everybody's counting on this on the way we've done it, so let's just keep doing it no matter how wrong it is. I mean, that just is not a very strong argument. Did this look like it was a 5-4, the four liberals taking the position you just described? Yeah, it looks very much like a 5-4 decision. But, uh, but uh, you know, as I said, I think it's very hard to count votes in the oral sure, argument. Sure. But I, I work, it, it, there are, there's a solid block of justices who understood what we were arguing, and that, that's all you can really ask for. And the genesis of this, uh, maybe it's not a question you can answer or know, maybe it's a psychological question, but I'm curious, uh, Teacher Fredericks and others uh, who are joining this suit, is this about politics? They're just, they're distressed with how much of their money is used for political purposes, or they don't agree with the political 
uh, agenda of the unions and how much of it is just this fact of coercion. And, you know, whether we agreed with you or not, we don't think we should be forced to pay. Well, I think uh, every single one of them first realized that they were out of alignment with the union's politics. I mean, the union in California is pretty far to the left and gets involved in a lot of public policy debates in the state that have nothing to do with education, and it's very much on the left okay. side. But, you know, they can under current law, they can already opt out of a portion of the dues. So this case really goes further, and it focuses on the collective bargaining. And there the issue with our clients is a lot of them, you know, teach in dis- schools that teach disadvantaged students, and they see that a lot of the seniority-based policies that the union argues for, like, you know, uh, last in, first out, you know, the most yep, yep, uh, yep. teachers with the most seniority get kept, the good teachers, the, sometimes the newer teachers get laid off. Those kind of policies make it very hard uh, to make the schools work. I mean, these teachers are dedicated teachers. They're not in it for the money. They're in it for the children. And increasingly, they saw what the union was arguing for was <laughs> hurting their uh, children, hurting the ability to teach. And that's what the big dispute is in this case. That's okay. really why they're opposed to the union. We have uh, callers. Uh, we'll take them quick. Uh, ask your question quickly, if you would, please. Bob in Portland, Maine. Hey, Bob? Yes, good morning. Um, I have a question. The, the unions supported the National Labor Relations Act, which allows for a contract between the management and the union that designates the union as the sole bargaining agent uh, for all employees in a given category. But that need not be the case. The, the unions support that provision. They wanted to be recognized as the sole bargaining agent, and they entered that agreement uh, with management, and then they complain that they're forced to represent those people. I don't understand why that argument is not used. Also, the argument that uh, parties to a contract cannot obligate parties not, uh, or third parties. Okay. Terry? Yeah, your listener is absolutely right. Uh, the unions could decide if they wanted to, to just represent their actual members. Uh, but the fact is they don't want to. They like to get the, uh, the, the designated bargaining agent for everyone, precisely so that they can leverage everyone to pay dues. Uh, but if we win and the union uh, you know, has to compete for dues, it could then change this and decide that it's only going to represent the actual dues-paying members. Our clients are fine with that. Okay. They're good teachers, they're experienced teachers, they're in demand, and they're happy to negotiate their own contracts if that's the way the union wants to set things up. All right. Let me uh, characterize uh, Hank's question, Hank in Jacksonville. Uh, why can't the unions represent their members more f- truthfully instead of voting consistently Democrat? Are a lot of teachers not Democrats? I think a lot of the public believes all teachers are Democrats. That's a very good question. In California, the union estimates that between 30 and uh, 40% of their members are Republican. Yet in the last election, uh, the California Teachers Association uh, only endorsed one Republican out of the hundreds of state candidates uh, that it was endorsing in that election. So the union's politics, just on the politics side, the union is totally out of alignment with the actual political affiliations of its members. Uh, uh, say again what, what, the, what the Republican or independent membership was or calculated to be? Sure. It's between, it's between 30 and 40%. In in California, in California, yeah. Right, so it could be higher in red redder states, correct? No, that's exactly right. Yeah, good. All right, Terry. Uh, well, uh, you'll keep track of this. Obviously, this is very helpful to us. Maybe we'll call on you again. This is an important case, isn't it? Very important. 
I think it's one of the two or three most important cases this term. It's a big deal. Great. Well, thank you so much for the help.